0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Red Tree Church. For more information about our church or to find more Sermon Audio, visit redtreechurch.com. Good evening, church. Join me in prayer before we continue on our gathering tonight. Jesus, you are so good to us. You are so caring and so sweet. God, you are faithful when we are faithless. You are loving when we are hateful. You are selfless when we are selfish. God, may we may we see you as you truly are. May we not color you through the lenses of sentimentality or cynicism. May we see you as you really are, our Creator, our Lord, our dear, dear, intimate friend, the lover of our soul. Jesus, thank you for this evening. May, May what we say, may what we think, may these things be pleasing to you tonight. Amen. It's good to be together. Thank you for being here. Uh, especially if you're visiting with us tonight. I'm going to be incredibly brief, because I know it's Christmas Eve. And if you're visiting tonight, you're like, hey, that's awesome. That's considerate of you. And if you go to Red Tree, you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. I really am. Um, here's what we're going to do tonight. I would like to uh, give us uh, a three different scripture readings. So I'm going to read for us in just a minute uh, the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. And I just want us to read that whole story together, to look at it, to think about it, to reflect on it. And so you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you this evening, we have house Bibles at the end of each row. Someone would love to pass one to you. Um, or you can do your phone Bible if that's your thing. Um, well, you can go ahead and turn there. And as you're doing that, I want to read us uh, the most famous verse in the Bible to kind of give us a little a lens through which to actually read the Christmas story tonight. If you were with us yesterday um, in our regular Sunday morning gathering, we spent time talking about Advent from the context of the amazing love of God for His people because ultimately when it comes down to it, the only reason we're here tonight and the only reason this matters for anything is because God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And so hear these words from the Apostle John, uh, the third chapter, the 16th verse, which says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. I want, I, again, like, You're thinking, man, I went to church on Christmas Eve. Like this is the most famous verse in all of Scripture, right? This is the one that if you've ever been to a sporting event, you've seen it, right? But I want that to be the lens through which we engage the story tonight. What we're talking about when we talk about Jesus' birth, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about the gospel message that God has for this world Ultimately, we are talking about the expression of an ultimately authoritative and powerful creator God who loves you. A a finite, small person, right? If you think about yourself within the context of the grandness of time and creation, you may be awesome. But you're pretty tiny. And yet the God of the universe loves you more than you can imagine. And because He loves you, we get this. Luke chapter 2, I would love for you to actually read this along with me. I'm just going to take my time kind of meandering through this text, and then we'll talk about it for just a couple minutes. Starting in the first verse, the second chapter of the gospel, according to Luke, we hear this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria, and so all went to be registered, each to his own town and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And this is the word of the Lord. So again, we're talking about basically next to John 3.16, the most famous passage in Scripture. This is the one where if this is the first time you've ever set foot in a church service, you've probably heard most of that story before right now, right? The idea of the birth of Jesus, the advent of Christ, the coming of the Lord is 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 pretty much common and known enough in our culture to to almost be a trope right this young Virgin Mary gets a a message from an angel who says, you have been chosen. God is going to bear forth a child through you. She believes in faith, and and God appears then to her fiancé and says, take this woman to be your wife. She hasn't been unfaithful. God is doing something supernatural in her, and he believes in faith. And they they go, and they're married, and then the census is called, and they travel to the city of Bethlehem when, when she is about to And they get there, and there's no room for them in any of the inns, so they end up giving birth to a baby in a stable amongst animals. And then that doesn't end there. God then appears in power to some shepherds outside the city in the middle of the night and says, Hey, this is what has happened. The Messiah is born. And so these shepherds come and find Mary and Joseph and this baby hanging out in the stable, and they praise God. And that's kind of the story. And then like three years later, some wise men show up. But somehow they get included in the family picture. I don't know how that happened. But you guys get what I'm saying, right? This is a, it's a well-known story. And if you're like me, your temptation right now is to sentimentalize. whoa, I didn't say that word right, sentimentalize this story. And that makes sense. We're, we're here hanging out with family. Most of us probably had a fun family dinner before or after this. There's presents, there's traditions, there's decorations. It's Christmas time. It is a joyful, happy, fun, sentimental time of year. And because of that, it's easy to take this story and put that same sentiment on it. But I want to encourage you for just a few minutes tonight to not allow that to happen. If whatever version of the precious moments nativity scene is in your head right now, I would ask you to do your best to just wipe that away for a minute and actually engage in the reality of this story because, beloved, there is something amazing in this text for you tonight, for you and your whole family. We're going to leave here and we're all... Going to celebrate Christmas in whatever way our family traditions have deemed normative. And I just want to encourage you that the Spirit of God has something fresh to speak to you tonight and to speak over your celebration in the coming hours, the next couple days. And I would encourage you to experience that. And so here's what I'd like to do this, this story. As much as we get like the nativity scene version in our head, this story is ridiculous. When when we talk about the inauguration of the kingdom of God, the, the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the image that God, the God of the universe, by the way, chose to preserve for you and me to remember and reflect and commemorate the coming of Christ is the image of a middle school aged girl giving birth to a baby assisted by no one but her high school-age husband in a barn, surrounded by animals and fodder. This is the image that God chose to preserve. Some of you have middle school-age kids, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> and whatever, our our culture may be says that their kids in this culture would say they're adults, and that's fine. But still, still, you're talking about like an eighth grade girl, far away from home, away from her family, giving birth to a baby with no one to help but like her high school age husband in a barn. And they wrap that kid up and they set him down in a feeding trough because they don't have a room. They don't have friends or family around to take them in. So that's where they are. That's where the room is. This is the image we're given for the inauguration of the kingdom of God. The, the Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, entering into broken, dark, sinful, hopeless humanity to say, I'm here to save you. And this is the way He chooses to enter in. Be struck by that. Because that is quite different than the way the vast majority of us experience the world. Right? It's quite different. And yet God was in that. God was moving in that. And guys, that is the picture the God of the universe chose to preserve as a picture of His love for you. Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, being born as a helpless baby to be taken care of by an eighth grade girl. That's the image he chose to preserve for you. Let me give us our last scripture reading for tonight. And this will be kind of how we wrap this up. This is uh, an ancient Christian hymn. It's considered one of the the most uh, Christological statements in the New Testament. This is found in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. It says this, Let each of you, you being the church, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul describes here in in this brief little summary is Jesus, who is God, who has every right and dignity and power and authority that goes with that, chose To be emptied out and poured out and humbled. Because he loves. He he loves us enough to be emptied out. To go in a split moment from being the God of the universe, all powerful to being a helpless baby. To go from being the all knowing God to being, let's face it, a dumb baby to go from being the omnipresent everywhere god to being somewhere and that somewhere is a food trough for barn animals this this is the humble self-sacrificing love of our jesus we 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 talk this this December, about celebrating the passion in the Advent. These are two terms we use in the church to talk about Christ's sacrificial death on our behalf and Christ's coming into the world through His birth. And beloved, I I just want to bring our time together and close it out by saying this. If you do not think that Christ's passionate, amazing suffering on your behalf didn't start the minute he was born. You don't understand divinity. Christ emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, was made nothing for you because he loves you. He was born, he lived a perfect life, he died a perfect death, was resurrected and ascended on high because of how much he loves you the glory of God. God loves you that much. And so, over these next couple days, as we remember the Advent, let us remember also the passion. Because ultimately, they are the same thing. They are expressions of the immeasurable, unknowable, love of the God of the universe for you. So, beloved, know that tonight. Rest in that tonight. Revel in that tonight. You are loved beyond what you can imagine. And all the joy and all the family and all the festivity and all the traditions that we experience right now is nothing but a foretaste. The amazing, wonderful, joyful love of our God for us. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for coming to this earth, for loving a whiny, selfish person like me enough to humble yourself that greatly. God, you're just so, you're just so good. You're just so good, Jesus. God, when I think of the communion and the elements and and your body broken and your blood poured out, when I think of those, those things that we do when we worship together as the church, God, I can't help but come back to your entire life. Your entire life. It's an act of sacrificial love for me. God, I just, I can't comprehend it. Thank you. God, may we revel in the amazing joy of your incredible love for us tonight. To your glory, God. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Red Tree Church. Visit redtreechurch.com for more information.